0: The All Things Techie Podcast is a product of the Extreme Media Network. For advertising and sponsorship opportunities, please visit www.extrememedia.ie. That's X T R E M E, media.ie. Hello from Dublin, Ireland. Audiovisual from an Irish perspective. This is the All Things Techie Podcast. It is indeed. All Things Techie podcast, episode 49. I'm Justin Dawson. Can't believe we've made it to episode 49, listeners. And what a great episode I have for you. I was able to tie down David Labuscus, the CEO of Avixa and ask him how he got involved in the AV industry. It's the All Things Techie podcast, episode 49. Like, like, like our show, don't forget to subscribe to all things techie in your favorite podcast store. I, I just have to start off by asking you, like, for a guy that is, is the sort of the king of a VIXA now, is sitting at the top, you, where did it all begin? Where, where did your AV career begin? I, I love asking this question and people go, oh, geez, <laughs> told me in the deep end.
1: Well, I was born in Pittsburgh in the 60s, and um, <laughs> it, uh, it, it's, it's interesting, actually. I was just uh, chatting with my wife about this earlier today because our son uh, just finished uh, his school, and he's going through the interview process. And we were talking about the differences in hers and my career. Hers was pretty... Um, prescribed, she got a degree in accounting and business administration, she got a job as an accountant, then she got promoted to a controller. Uh, uh, My pathway into a VIXO is far more circuitous than that type of a pathway. Um, My degree is actually in international politics um,
0: it's not the uh, weirdest one I've heard because Mark Coxon <laughs> told me that he studied study fashion area and how you end up from being a vet to to doing AB, I think it has to be the most bizarre one.
1: Yeah, I, yeah that is, that is a I, I, although I guess you could probably argue that both degrees have some some value in in our lives both Mark's and mine at this point. Um, the Ultimately, I uh, ended up in IT. Let me skip through about 72 different part-time jobs. I ended up in IT um, and um, was, I sort of refer to it as a IT mercenary. Uh, I had my own firm. I was doing project management consulting. This was long enough ago that I was doing coding, um, systems development. I was uh, doing systems implementation. And one of the um, gigs that I got in that um, world was working uh, for an IT department as an owner's rep uh, in construction. Uh, And so I was interfacing for the IT department, working with all of the trades, walking through why we needed X, why we needed Y, why this wouldn't work, why this would work, and, and I fell in love with it. Um, I, I loved the, um, the, the physical reality of IT being built into a building, so going from a green field through site construction and implementation of the infrastructure to actually being there on opening day and seeing the people come in to work, um, and knowing that I had been a part of that from while it was a dream on a piece of paper. And ultimately, was able to move that position into starting up a consulting practice for one of the world's largest architectural engineering firms, RTKL, has now been acquired by Arcadis and is part of uh, Callison RTKL. But I was hired in by their engineering department to do structured cabling design. Um, and uh, ultimately sort of rode the um, everything over IP wave uh, and moved from structured cabling to audiovisual, added acoustics, added wireless, added medical communications, electronic security. Essentially anything that needed to be designed that moved information from point A to point B in a building. Um, We had an AV practice that um, I interfaced with, uh, at the time, an organization called Infocom. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was very active with an organization called Bixie, which was the structured cabling world. Um, And uh, Randy Lemke, my predecessor, announced his retirement. And somebody actually on my team said, you should take a look at that position. It might be kind of interesting to you. Um, I had a really good position at that point, so really wasn't necessarily looking for it. Um, but started talking to, to some of the industry, started talking through what would be involved with it and through my name in the ring and over the course of six or eight months and about 237 interviews. Uh, ultimately, I I ended up being selected <laughs> for the position. That's
0: no, not, uh, not true. How many interviews were nah, you It wasn't 237. <laughs> but
1: this, uh, it was a long process. Uh, there is a search committee involved that was appointed by the board. There's a recruiter involved. So when you're going through a, a search like that, and especially an organization like Avixa, I mean, it um, has an extraordinary reputation. And so there were... There were several hundred uh, applicants, um, and I managed to fool the search committee into thinking I would be the best. Um, it was—it uh, was—it was actually, I think, an extraordinary process. It—I'll it, um, tell you at the end again. I, I'm alluding to my wife again, but I, as I was leaving for the final interview, and at that point, by that point, I was really committed. Like I had done a lot of research, I had done a lot, and I—it was there were you know, I really wanted this job um, plus I'm a pretty competitive guy. And so I really wanted to win too, but more wanted the job. And so as I was leaving at, o' oh, dark 30 in the morning to make sure I got to the interview on time and give my wife a kiss goodbye. And she said, um, have fun. And I'm like, have fun. <laughs> like I'm leaving and I'm getting in the car and I'm driving away and I'm like, have fun. Like this might be the most important meeting of my career have fun. But by the, I mean, it was a couple hour drive to the interview. By the time I got there, it it was like, yeah, that's actually the perfect advice. Like if, if I'd gone into that interview trying to be anybody other than me, then, then I would be either setting myself up for failure that day or setting myself up for failure in the position because they'd be hiring somebody that wasn't me. And, At that point they were down to three or four finalists any one of us could have done the job it was really more about who did they want in the position and um really i did just have fun and i had a blast we had a great conversation when i left the recruiter walked me out the door she said how do you feel like you did and i'm like they know who i am there's no doubt they know who i
0: am and so now it's up to them it's funny david because I've had interviews like that for positions and you come out of that interview process and you go, Was that actually an interview? <laughs> because <laughs> you're like they they asked me more about like what's the the craziest thing you've done. It's like, Well, I'm hoping to jump out of a plane at some stage in the in, in the next year. I remember when I interviewed for one of my earlier private sector roles, and that was one of the questions: "What's, what's the, what have you got planned on the horizon in the next month?" It's like, well, uh, on New Year's Day, I'm going to jump out of a plane, <laughs> and it, it sort of took the the moment off the interview that I said t- I, to myself afterwards: maybe I shouldn't have mentioned that. <laughs> I got the job, anyways, you know. But uh... so, you know, having that role, and at the time, it was Infocom. Was that one of your philosophies and goals to change the name and the brand of Infocom, or was that even on the agenda at the time?
1: No, in fact, it was explicitly not on the agenda. Um, I, I think, I think there's if you, if you if you sort of follow companies in general, right? There's this. Um, sort of cliche new CEO is going to come in and put his or her fingerprint on the organization. Um, they're going to restructure it, they're going to reorganize, they're going to rebrand, they're going to fill in the blank. Um, in, in VIXA was not, or Infocom was not broken uh, I wasn't coming into an organization that needed a turnaround. I wasn't trying to do a rescue. Um, I was taking over for a very strong, very competent leader, very different individual than I am. Um, but, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't come in, the ship is sinking, let's restructure everything. It was come in, listen and learn. I mean, we are, um, uh, we're an organization that represents a 250 billion dollar global industry, with a f- very few things that are held in common around the world, and it's really complicated. I mean, we've got joint ventures that own shows in Europe and Asia. At the time, we had joint venture that owned and operated shows in Latin America. We had uh, software development subsidiary, we've got the overall membership, but even within the membership, you have um, manufacturers, you have exhibitors, you have integrators, distributors. Um, I, I, I'm just not the type of person that has the hubris to come in and say, this all needs to be blown up and I have a perfect vision. I, I, I don't, uh, what I am really I think one one of the things I think so. Interview question number seventy three A. What are your strengths? One of my strengths is is listening, and 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 hearing. a super strength
0: to have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, and and so that's what I did. And I know that that's another cliche, right? We're going to do a listening tour for a year, but but really, I mean, from the day that they announced that I was going to be the new CEO. Uh, true to AV, I was standing, uh, we, there was a program called Infocom 100 back at the time where we would bring in about 100 or so of the most active members and there'd be two days of programming and um, shockingly social activities that included a bar.
0: And, um,
1: (laughs) welcome to AV Dave, welcome to AV stand in the hospitality area. But I, uh, we, we had this thing going where they, they rotated in groups. So they, they got broken up into five groups and they would rotate from room A to B to C to D to E and room E was the pub. And so very quickly I realized, okay, just hang out in room E because ultimately everybody will go through that room. And plus that's the informal place where I can talk to people. And I spent the night listening to people talk about what Infocom was doing right, what Infocom was doing wrong. But um, I, I really didn't change much of anything for about a year. And then the brand change, I'm sorry, that was your original question. <laughs> You'll learn quickly, Justin, you have to sort of control my answers, but um, the the brand uh, change, Honestly, that started with um, asking our marketing group to take a look at our PowerPoint template and freshen it. Um, I, I remember I was coming out of a large global architectural firm, so if you've interfaced with those types of firms, they're very visual, they're very vibrant in the way that they tell a story and present because that's the way architects are, and and Infocom wasn't. I mean, it was it was 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 not high value graphic presentation. There wasn't a lot. I mean it the name for an association sort of evoked, you know, sort of a telecom company of 1980s. And I'm
0: going I, agree with you more.
1: <laughs> and I, I wanted a I wanted a fresher look because I think our industry is is at the edge. I think it's exciting. I think it's about creating emotion and about connecting people and i just didn't feel like infocom did that but i i didn't i had no intentions of actually changing the name of the association and in fact it took about a year of arguing with me to convince me that there was there was no alternative to be authentic we could we could make the infocom logo look flashier and and by the way I mean, we clearly are highly invested in that brand and that logo, but it's about the show, um, the association. If I went around the world and I said, How's as I said, I listened, right? So tell me how Infocom is doing for you. Um, if I was lucky, I got, do you mean Infocom the association or Infocom the show?
0: Oh, right, But
1: most okay. of the time, what I got was, Oh, I love Infocom. I was in Vegas in 2013 and I had a great time and I saw this. Um, and they didn't even realize that there was this entire association that was providing services.
0: Yeah, like right. uh, and even I've I've experienced that a lot too. Like I'm I'm I say I'm a member of Apex or Infocom for the past 7 years now, but at the very beginning it was that type of feeling of what what what's Infocom? Is this just an American slang of a word of, you know, a membership to, you know, technology, like it didn't really spell out AV the way the name of Ixa now does. um. And do, were you impressed at the time when, when all the, everything changed? Like it felt like a, a sudden click light bulb went on, no pun intended. And all of a sudden, every, every building, every, Websites, branding everything just got changed overnight it just felt so quick so fast good uh, yeah it's <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's what's supposed to happen but do you, do you think everyone bought into it quickly and and loved the change
1: no. no 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 nobody agrees with not ne- not a single decision have i ever been a part of in this role has everybody agreed with <laughs> Okay. Um, <laughs> I live the classic. You can make some of the people happy, some of the time. None of the people all the time. Um,
0: it, it,
1: but I think I think the debate is done. I, I I mean we didn't. We the story isn't that we changed our brand anymore. The story is moved on to what is AV. What is the import of AV? Um, what is our future? How do we best serve the industry? What is the industry? Why do we exist? Um, and those are great questions and and incredibly important questions to engage our community with. Um, the The actual announcement of the brand it was it was probably about a year, uh, so a year of making the decision, and it's not like I can't make a decision. It's that that I didn't want to do it. I just, I felt like it was, um, it would be distracting from serving our community. But really what was, what I, I learned in the conversation was that we can't really serve our community as well without putting a flag in the ground and saying we are AV and not information communications. And we are about experience and we are an association and we should celebrate all of that and not do it halfway. Don't, that's a big part of me. Like if you're going to do it, do it. If you're well, not going to do it, gonna, don't do
0: it. You're going to bring me on to my, one of my devil questions that I'm going to ask you. Um, and that is, is AVIT? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I I'm going to put this on the record. David says AV is not, or AV is IT. What is it, David?
1: I think it's a waste of air to have that conversation honestly <laughs> uh, uh, and I'm not trying to duck it um, I think AV is I I think AV is about experience I think it's about connecting people I don't think you can do that without IT in I, today's I totally world agree.
0: I totally agree and I think it i as i i wrote an article about it ab is not it we're two different partners and we were happily married for a long time (laughs) that's the way i always put it
1: it's about space technology and content and the marriage of those three and and not no single one stands on its own and delivers an experience if you if you're in a 200-degree room with beautiful audio and visual, you're not going to have a good experience because you're going to be melting. If you are in a, a fabulously comfortable seat in the most beautiful lounge, but you can't actually hear the performer, you're not having the experience you should have. And if you are in both a comfortable room and you can hear the performer beautifully and it's me singing you are not having a good experience i mean it's it's about all three yeah. and i think I, th- I think i think people there's a, there's a sh- there's a challenge in today's world right I, and i can't fix this but i can i can try to influence the part that i touch that has 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 moved towards oversimplification and the loss of nuance and the loss of Uh, communication for understanding, and people tend to pick a position, and then they solidify in that position rather than hearing other people's positions and learning from it. Uh, I think the debate about what's more important being technically correct or um, artistically brilliant, I think that's, that's actually a debate I think we shouldn't be having. I think you have to have both if you want to create value for a customer
0: absolutely I totally agree yeah uh, you know it, it and so, so easily and i think that's the importance and it brings me on to my next question about cts and the qualifications that you can get through a victor it i think the cts i have the cts on one of maybe now, the numbers are growing. When, when I got my CTS, it was one of seven in, the, in Ireland and I think it went now up to around the 20 mark. But what it's taught me is, as well as the, the project management ends of things, is the fact that you have to aim for the end user. It's not providing the latest gizmos and tech to solve a solution. It's what the end user requires and it always comes back to that. Still, we talk about Evixa. We talk about Infocom. It seems that there's times where Evixa is seen as too American. It's seen as the CTS. Oh well, you know, I've been in, um, I've been in the AV industry for X amount of years. Why do I need to get a qualification to, to do things? And then you have the great Chuck Espinoza, who's like a military guy who just tells you you have to do it. This is it, and this is, are the standards. Do. You, how do we keep that name and the push for people to get the qualifications with with Ibiza? And being the head honcho of Ibiza, have as has Chuck ever put the finger down and said, "That's scary to me. No,
1: no. way." <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we. Well, first of all, I have a CTS. Oh, you have um, the, okay. Very nice.
0: Big stuff. Yes, you have your CTS. Okay.
1: In fact, I have a CTS since two thousand four. I had CTS before I had this position. Um, okay. I'm a big personal believer and professional believer in certification. Um, I think. So ultimately, what what is a certification? What 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 are what are those letters? They are they are a they are an abbreviation for a resume page, right? Um, if um, if if you were an an architect, you'd have a portfolio that showed your work, but you'd also have um, your degree and you'd have your license to practice. Um, the the value of a CTS is in demonstrating knowledge and capabilities in order to obtain that certification and then demonstrating a commitment to your professional development by maintaining that certification. I have a certification that you've never heard of called CAE. Um, I'm guessing you've never heard of that, but that stands for Certified Association Executive.
0: Okay. Um,
1: But there's a lot of people I talk to every day that have that certification. And so, but not everybody knows what that certification means. Um, The people that it matters to know what it means. So the key here isn't to make everybody care about the CTS. The key is to identify the audience that does or should care about it and help them understand the value and importance of it and the way you do that it's back through communications and engagement so you bring people to the conversation you don't push them away from the conversation and avix has done a lot of work in that regard but will never be done um you know from 20 cts holders in ireland you know i get to I could tell, you know, my board that we've increased the uh, CTS holders by 300%, which is great, right?
0: Yeah, um,
1: not not so great though if you look at raw numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a it is a push and pull. Um, part of what happens is that you tell everybody you come into contact with why the CTS matters. What, what it means, what it says you know, what you went through to get it. Some people you speak to are gonna be inspired to pursue it because of your statements. You're gonna potentially use it in a pitch to a customer um, or you know, to say, here's why you should, or an employer, here's why you should hire me. Mm-hmm. I don't know the numbers uh, straight out, but we have demonstrable evidence that shows an increase in your compensation that's related to a CTS, a CTS high and a CTSD, mm-hmm. um, so it has real tangible value. But I, I actually think there's a, there's a, there's an intangible value which says, AV is a profession. I'm a profession, or I'm a professional, and I. I am willing to take, again, it's that I'm willing to take an authentic full step in that regard. Mm -hmm. Um, We aren't, we aren't the marketing body for the AV industry. Um, The, you, you, our members have to do their own marketing. They have to do their own differentiation. I think if they don't, follow through with investing in their employees and helping them obtain this certification, they're missing a hugely valuable opportunity.
0: Well, I think in the past two to three years, David, there has been a bigger push in Ireland for AV companies recognizing Avixa and recognizing the CTS, and you can see it. Talk to me about like your time in Evixor and moment of joy and greatness. That time's so where you just went, that was just... If you were to to pick out your most magical moment so far with the victor, what's it been? Mm.
1: I love this job. Um, There have... There was a... um, One of our first shows in Mumbai, Um, we worked with a um, workforce, like a, a, a student organization and arranged for a student tour uh, of the shop. And we had um, anticipated and planned for, I think about 40 or 50 students uh, to come. And so we had staff that were gonna you know, do a presentation and then break them up into groups of 10 and tour them through, right? We had 300 students come in some but don't quote me on the number but some insanely high number of students come in and so we're scrambling like oh my god what are we going to do we got to figure out how we're going to break this up without taking over the whole floor there's a balance that exhibitors have where they want to support the future of the industry but they also want to have their staff talking to people that are going to spend money not necessarily students that are asking them questions and so working that whole thing through but part of what it was was i had an opportunity to present to this group and talk about the industry and talk about the potential of jobs in the industry. And then um, following that, the serious and the fun part of it, the, the, the fun part of it was, um, I felt like I was running for you know, president of the United States because I, you know, with the end of it, every one of those kids wanted a selfie with me in it. And, um, <laughs> You know, I, I texted my son and I'm like, your father is so cool. He just had like 200 kids that wanted him in his selfies with them. And he, you know, he instantly replied back, like, give them a day, day give him a day, dad, they'll realize you're incredibly boring and have no interest in you. <laughs> um, but the, 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 so that's the fun part. The serious part was engaging with these students about like, how did you get here and looking at the, their excitement and seeing the, the opportunities that were in front of them and and maybe having some uh, some small seed of contributing to a future that they hadn't anticipated and I, I get to do that a lot Justin I, I I mean this this there's as I said very little I do. in fact nothing I do is supported by everybody. Um, but we, we get a chance to change the world as an industry. And, and I have the privilege and the opportunity to be a part of that. I mean, the work we've done in the last year and a half, I mean, longer than that, but more directly and explicitly in the last year with regards to diversity and equity and inclusion and belonging. Um, Yeah. Again, you, you, you can't, you yourself, Justin would have trouble changing the entire world. Right. And fixing everything. Um, but we can, we can, we can try to influence for the better, the part that we touch. And I have an
0: opportunity to touch a lot of the world through this position. And just hearing you for the past 30 minutes, David, like you, you come across as such an optimistic, positive character, I know it's that smile, that small is just brilliant. But with we have to talk, we can't go through this whole uh, interview without talking about COVID-19 and the global pandemic and how it absolutely has crushed every industry, not just the AV industry. But I, I think one of the positives that we can take from the whole event, of, well, the, the pandemic, is that Evixa, it's immediately from the get-go, turned around and said, okay, guys, you're all working from home. Some of you may have been put on COVID allowance and made redundant, but we're offering free training. That was such an amazing step, I think, by Evixa. Where do you see things? Okay, we we just have to having an info come com, uh, online, ISE, uh, finally, we were able to get into Barcelona, uh, albeit small, the same with London. But where do you see the AV industry now because of the pandemic and what positives can we take from it? Where where do you see, see it going forward? Yeah, it it it,
1: um, it has been a tragic experience for so many of our members uh on a personal level on a corporate level um yes i'm an optimistic person uh and and i the i think from adversity you grow right i mean that which um the we tend to not learn as well when everything is going well it's the it's the storms that um force you to evaluate your um, choices and to learn new skills um, as, a, as an industry we took a huge hit globally uh, and segments of our industry uh, were decimated uh, we we work to support the live events, the people that are supporting AV technology and everything from performance venues to houses of worship and those organizations, many of them um, were, you know, downsized by, you know, 90% and many of them are gone. Um, And many of them have uh, moved on to other positions because they couldn't go without work for 18 months. Um, So we're gonna face a talent shortage um, as we try to rebuild as much of the industry, much much of the world is facing. Um, We're coming out of it in different phases. Um, The same, uh, or the the week in between uh, Barcelona and London, we announced the movement of our Mumbai show to a virtual show. and in two weeks, I'm looking at the date on my computer screen. Sorry, mm-hmm. uh, in two weeks we're opening up our show in Beijing that we anticipate having 30,000 plus people at. Um, so there you have, in the course of from June 15th to July 21st, literally the announcement of a cancellation of a show and the delivery of a show. Um, what does this all? I, I, I mean, from a, a VIXA perspective, we took a you know over the course of three weeks, we went we lost ninety percent of our operating revenue, um, which is trade shows, the you know the membership dues, certification fees, uh, testing fees, uh, the training revenues. That that's the other ten percent of our revenues. Um, I think, I think when we look back on these years or this year, um, we, we will look at the, we, we were already positioned as an organization to recognize that what we do at the core is bring a community together. Um, we do that in a physical space called a trade show or a conference or a classroom. Um, what we hadn't had in place very effectively was a um, virtual place. Uh, and I still don't think anybody has that perfectly yet.
0: No, Um, I totally agree,
1: <laughs> you know, but I think we need it, I, yeah. but I don't think it replaces, um, the physical events. I think it enhances them. I think it reinforces them. I think it, uh, uh, I think it's, uh, the, the example I've been using with people is, um, you take, take a great book, um, the let's use the martian i I love that book um and i and and i loved the movie um she didn't make the movie by putting a camera on top of the book and turning each page right that's not how you make a movie from a book same story same plot line same characters but two very different media uh, delivery systems which have different roles at different levels of engagement and limitations and opportunities. Um, I think that's how we have to look at the physical events and the virtual engagement. I think we I don't think a year from now we're going to say okay we're we're not going to have any books anymore because we now have invented movies mm-hmm. and I don't think we're going to have no movies anymore because everybody knows how to read a book. I think, there are a place. There's a place for both the physical event and the virtual event, and I think they can both be enjoyed. Um, and some people don't read. Some people don't go to movies. Yep. But some people do both. And, and I can't and... wait
0: to be able to get back to a physical trade show. <laughs> you know, you miss like I, I've I've talked about it on previous podcast episodes where even when you go to something virtually, you're talking to the exhibitors and they're holding up stuff to screen and you just want to hold it, physically press those buttons and see what each one of those buttons does. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I was in
1: Barcelona. I had to, I was lucky enough to be able to get there. Um, and, and I felt like it was important to go to demonstrate of um, commitment to ISEA to demonstrate our commitment to the industry and also to demonstrate our commitment to our hosts, the Catalonian government and Barcelona government and the FIRA. Um, I was at a reception that was out on a terrace you know, in the evening after the first day of the show and was standing with a glass of wine and chatting with people, which is something that you know, I do a lot.
0: But it also my probably job. does so surreal it was
1: so emotionally um uplifting justin mm. to and 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 beyond the emotional uplifting there were you know 50 people at that reception that i knew that i would not set up a zoom call with that i wouldn't set up a team's call with that we wouldn't we would we had not seen each other and talked to each other in a year and a half and they're they're not in my core group of people I work with, mm-hmm. so I don't see them. But those are people that have insight to help me do my job better. I have insight to help them do their job better. There is value from that connection that is, um, is lost in, in this environment. I'm, I'd like to try to find a way to create that virtually, mm-hmm. um, but it, uh, it, hasn't, it
0: hasn't been created yet. Well, I I think looking at Vixa personally, I think the the one opportunity that came from it is the training and the fact that the new LMS is is on board. The whole site just got a rehaul over the past 18 months to offer more micro-credentials and micro-courses and then... The video ends of teams Chuck has I know has been incredibly busy from his his farm doing events, but or doing videos. But if if you were to wave a magic wand after this pandemic, where would you like to see the industry go? The industry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, that's just Avixa, the VIXA The industry,
1: industry or a VIXA. No, the, the
0: industry, like, yeah. I think like... the
1: industry should, should double down on um, what's at the core of our value, which is connecting people to people. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, you know, we started as an association supporting a bunch of men that wanted to sell film projectors to schools. Um, And yes, it was a bunch of men, and they were looking to sell film projectors to skulls. A little thing called World War II broke out, and they ended up selling a lot of film projectors to a lot of different um, armies. But um, we aren't about technology. We're not alone. We're the technology for technology's sake, right? I've been around long enough to go through CRTs and um, slide projectors and in in my career timeframe, I'm not necessarily a spring chicken, but I'm also not 500 years old. Mm. The pace of that change will continue, but what isn't changing is the value and what's been underscored by this pandemic is the value of connecting people to people. And the richer that connection, English is a funny language, right? Richer that connection actually can be used in both meanings of that word the greater you make that connection the more valuable it is and the more you as a service provider to create that connection will be able to extract that value a aka get rich from Um, when we go back to and as we've gone back to depending on where you are in the world restaurants and hotels and uh houses of worship and rooms of learning, the, the key differentiator between those physical spaces and what we've lived through virtually is the technology that our industry brings to play, to underscore, to be the highlighter, to, to reinforce the communications that are taking place and connections that are being built there. It's, it's, like, it's like our industry was made for this. This yep. is what we are all about.
0: We're, all of a sudden, we're all of the most important people in the room, especially, and like that's what I come. That's what I think the the opportunities of this pandemic has brought. Uh, especially when I work in higher ed, I remember going to different trade shows between ISE and Furtherfield. and you know, people. For me personally, it's felt that like, oh, you work in the higher ed, okay, you know, you're not working private, you don't have the money to spend, versus versus. all of a sudden now, I think the next Infocomps, comps, the next ISEs, the higher ed trade room will be much, much bigger because they know that whether you're working in primary school or K-12, secondary schools or higher ed, they all have... These type of environments—they have the Zoom, they have the Microsoft Teams—that they need to have in case another outbreak of COVID nineteen or whatever one we want to call the next pandemic happens. Please God, it doesn't. But I think now, all of a sudden, people want to listen to, 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 the, to the AV guy that works in in higher ed. I think I think that's what's going to for me. I think that's what's going to be the big difference of um. Trade shows in the future, and more as a service approach and software as a service. I know that sort of falls under the IT bracket. <laughs> we go back there. I'm going to throw some quick fire questions at you here now, David. Well, first of all, I want to, I want to ask: Is your son going to follow you into the AV industry? Yeah. No, 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 no. no definitely not, not straight up. <laughs> no, no, okay. Yeah.
1: Well, but he sees uh, technology. He's uh, um, just finished up his master's in mechanical engineering out of Berkeley. And um, he, he's looking at um, control systems. So sort of autonomous vehicle, wow. drone control, that type of uh,
0: activity. Drones um, so, are still AB, once you put yep. a camera on us. <laughs> yeah, yep. that's true. That's true. Okay. Quick fire question. What's your favorite trade shows to go to, ISE, ISE or Infocom?
1: <laughs> Which one of my sons is my favorite son? I'm not answering that,
0: Justin. <laughs> you can't answer that, especially in your position. <laughs> okay. Vegas or Florida then?
1: Ah. <laughs> uh... I prefer the show in Florida. I prefer Vegas as a um, experienced city.
0: Yeah. I, I, I definitely need to get over to an infocom really do have to it, get over to No,
1: that's a that we, we we do a survey every year and it's actually one of the it's you know, we get comments from all the attendees and exhibitors. It's about a hundred and fifty page report when you compile it all. And typically I have a long flight following that at some point and i will read that survey and absolutely every year we get about 50 percent of the people that say never come back to florida and 50 percent of the year of of the responses are never come back to vegas i mean it the value is is we reach two different audiences Um, about (laughs) 60 percent of the people that attend the show only go to one or the other city
0: and our and exhibitors David, want that. David, you could put on the best show and people will complain about the heat.
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. we yeah. see what the weather's like in October this year.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm still hoping that uh, as soon as... Uh... Brexit happened, I always prayed that Evixa was going to set up an Irish headquarters to just, you know, but then I guess the the nearest I I could get to is to move to Munich or something like that to become a (laughs) member of Evixa. I was always hoping that maybe you set up a a little hub in Dublin, you know, virtual (laughs) hub in Dublin.
1: It's a great city. Maybe we can do that.
0: Yeah, in the future. If you had advice for anyone that's entering into the AV industry, and this is my final question, if you had advice, I know we've come to a pandemic what, what advice would you give someone that's thinking AV is their area of, of trade pay
1: attention to the art and the science the, the magic of our industry is the marriage of the two and not not either or on its own Um, and, and, and then recognize in fact that that is magic and it is valuable. Um, I think, I don't know why, I think maybe because half of the people in our industry are failed rock musicians or failed musicians, but there's this, this sense of humility within our industry that at one hand is what I love about our industry, because it's really hard to um, build a career in our industry, there isn't an ascribed path where you you know, have trade position one that turns into trade position two. You have to find your way through this industry and find a path and develop skills in an unstructured way. And so I think in some ways we weed out people that don't have heart that are in this industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we we just have this sense of almost apology that You know, we're not musicians and we're not IT. Um, and don't recognize that by virtue of being part of both of those, we are, we are uniquely qualified to deliver value in virtually every marketplace. Um, don't, don't limit yourself, uh, with labels that um devalue what you contribute that's what I would say oh, yeah. to somebody coming in
0: I, I couldn't agree more you know I, I always say to people AV is so wide of a spectrum of what we cover what we do on a day by day basis and the beauty of the story is no no day is the same you know
1: but it requires discipline man I think I think I mean it's not it's just like those who do make a career out of music or do make a career out of art They, they aren't, they aren't just hanging out for an hour and day trying to, you know, play the piano. They, they are studying and committing to their craft and practicing and delivering and every day learning and improving. And that, that must happen. We, we can't afford to be lazy technicians or lazy artists to be, as valuable as the potential
0: exists for us to be. David, I've taken up loads of your time, but it's, it's, it, it, I, I've had so much joy and pleasure of finally getting to have an interview with you. And I hope one of these days now, I hope it, it could be ISE be the next time we meet, but I, I, I do have on the agenda, and I have said to my wife that I, I want to get to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> these days for it never um But hopefully at some stage we can physically shake hands and uh, have a drink together at at, at at one of these trade shows. It's been great talking to you. Thank you. So if people want to reach out to you, do you do you accept people on LinkedIn or Twitter? Or... Absolutely.
1: Uh, I'm at David Labuskas on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn on David Labuscus. Um You can email me at dlabuskas at org, and you can call me at the office. I actually Pretty much return everybody's call. I mean it's it's what I, I ultimately I work for you.
0: And that, and that's that's the key message there and so where we live it. David, thank you so much for taking taking the time out for It, it is
1: it's fun. fun. Thank you.
0: My thanks to David Lebuscus for joining us on episode forty nine of the All Things Techie Podcast. We're going to hit episode fifty of our podcast. I can't believe 50 episodes i've done and uh, episode 50 is going to be a look back on all the episodes it's a two hour long special but it's going to be great thanks for tuning in don't forget to like comment subscribe and share i'll talk to you very soon goodbye